Welcome to Rappin' PE. I'm your host, Stephen Buller, a.k.a. Beer Drip Buller. This is the place where we explore precarity, pedagogy, and physical education. This podcast is dedicated to physical educators of the future, past, and present. Episode 6 continues our official podcast journey, where I have the pleasure of introducing Francina Hollingsworth. She is from Houston, Texas. Coach Hollingsworth teaches at Albright Middle School for the A-Leaf Independent School District. This conversation went on for quite a long time, so this will be broken down into two parts. This is part A. Wait for the beat to drop. Here we go. But here we go. Uh, Fran, which is better for you, dogs or cats? Dogs. It's still 100%. Nobody has definitively said cats, which I found interesting. Or if that's just like a phys ed thing. I don't know. I get creeped out thinking about cats walking across the kitchen counter and just like, like, mm, I cook over here. Mm-mm. Like that I, creeps me out. I have not really thought about that one. <laughs> yeah right like you know you just stay on the floor don't crawl up on, on top of the counters no Mm-mm. very logical um second <laughs> one coffee or tea which is better tea i'm oh, not a coffee drinker <laughs> yes i love the smell of coffee i just can't drink it so um i'm a tea drinker wait let me that. let me try it let me say this Hot chocolate really is my jam, like hands down all year round, but that wasn't an option. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if it was winter when I started this, I probably would have put coffee, hot chocolate, tea. (laughs) All right, now to the next one. What is your all-time favorite physical activity, sport, or anything of the sort? Ooh, okay. All-time favorite um you know what I really enjoyed um trampoline aerobics I had so much fun Uh, I did it one time I had great fun but then once I finished my body was like oh no sis sit down somewhere so (laughs) yeah it was great fun um but no, that's something I can't do often, but yeah. Trampolines are not my friend. <laughs> I I can stay on them, but I get a little freaked out on them. Yeah. That's like my weakness. Well, let me, it was at a trampoline park. So it wasn't one of those little, you know, ones that you see that we could order for our kids. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, one of the big ones. So you, you know, you could fall, you could jump around, you could run into the mats and be okay. So the little small ones I wouldn't do because I would feel like I'm too clumsy. I would end up on the floor and then, you know, medic, you know, it would be too much. Yeah, that's that's not what I want to call 911 for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need a good excuse. Like, what were you doing? Um, see, sir, I was exercising. <laughs> I've seen too many videos on like YouTube or like Tosh.0 <laughs> where you're like, oh, I'm never gonna go back on a trampoline. 
All right, so here's where the hard question comes in. Okay. Woo. It gets a little bit harder, uh, but it, this seems to always get people where they're like, oh, man, I got to think. Mm-hmm. So who are you? What makes you, you? All right. Great question. Um, I'm going to go to my go-to answer, which is um, definitely uh, – what makes me me is uh, my foundation as far as the people that raised me. Um, My grandparents played a significant role in raising me. Um, Both of them were educators for uh, 30 plus years. And um, they're my they were my, well, my grandfather passed away a couple of years ago. My grandmother is still around and she's still like telling me what to do. And she doesn't realize I'm grown. <laughs> like, you know, I have my own things, but, you know, I have to run things past her. Uh, but they uh, helped mold me into the woman I am now. Um A lot of my um, hard work, my drive, my service comes from them. And they, um, especially my grandmother, she's always questioning why am I so busy? And I just look at her and I be like, do you not remember like growing up, you used to do this? You know, once I was able to drive, I used to drive you here. You were very active in the community. And she was like, well, yes. And I was like, well, I got that from you, you know, always on the go helping. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of that, um, I I watched them as uh, giving service to others. Um, My grandfather was also a pastor. So dealing with that, you know, doing a lot of things in the church, fundraisers. Uh, I used In high school, I used to uh, pick up some of our elders and bring them to church. That was my duty on Sunday morning. So I do a lot of community service activities and uh, volunteer work, but it all started at a younger age doing things my grandparents set me up you know, set the path for me to begin. And at the time, I just thought it was chores, (laughs) you know, like, uh, y'all don't want to do this. Okay, I'll do it for y'all. But, you know, looking back and reflecting, these are things uh, like giving service to others, helping the community, uh, helping our elders, like, like I continue to do that today that started at a younger age. So those, um, they set the path for the person I am. And I always say that um, giving honor to them because they are the ones, and then my parents too. But for instance, um, these are my dad parents. And so, growing up, I would ask my dad something and he would be like, ask your grandparents. And I'd be like, no, you're my dad. You tell me yes or no. I don't want to ask them. I already know they're going to say no or ask me 50 million questions. So, uh, but you know, they're uh, my hearts. And so um, like to this day, my grandma still runs my life. So (laughs) Now, uh, instead of her taking care of me, I'm on like citizen watch. So I do a lot of uh, 
<laughs> taking care of her now. I'm like uh, one of the primary caregivers for her. She doesn't mm -hmm. stay with me, but like a lot of things uh, that she needs, she asks for me. And of course, I have to be there. It sounds yes, like a great I, think I, I think I uh, thoroughly answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> that was spot on. Perfect. Like, that makes sense to me. It definitely, definitely a lot of familial influence for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. That's, it's always good to have that background too. Right. All right. Thank so you. you're welcome. What brought you into education? Like, what was, what was the thing that sparked you to push towards being a teacher? Okay. Um, well, like I said, um, I have educators in my family. Mm -hmm. I always watch them, but originally my plan wasn't to go into education. It was like um, to be a physical therapist or a nurse still in the service arena, but not education. So my senior year, I had a free period. Um, the high school that I attended is a uh, small country k through 12 so my senior year free period i'm hanging out with my pe teacher slash coach and she asked me to go get the kindergartners okay cool i go get the kindergartners and um, i bring them to pe well that ended up being my task every day to go get the kindergartners and so that sparked the interest in education. And then it uh, actually sparked me going into uh, fiscal education because I actually helped her with the kindergartners, getting them settled, getting them ready for uh, their activity. Um, so, so sometimes I would go in and the kids would be waking up from their naps. So I would have to do story time until everyone was ready to leave and then you know just different things with them and i was like i love this i yes this is gonna be my career well i went to uh well i got my degree is in health and physical education um during my um this class elementary is not <laughs> this no i can't snow oof I love the babies, but I cannot teach the babies. So I actually um, focused on secondary and my plan was high school, but uh, the Lord said something different and I've been stuck in middle school for 20 years. So please, please pray that I make it to retirement. <laughs> well, if you've made it 20 years at the yes. craziest age group, you're good. You're, you're, right. You'll easily make that. Yes, well, thank you. I, uh, I really am surprised I made it this long. I, I really didn't think I would be in the classroom this long. But here I am. <laughs> hey, I'm only going into my sixth year this fall. And I'm like, wow, I made yes. it six years. How did and, six years go by? Right. And the time is just like warp speed. It's like, wait, it's you start the year, then you blink, it's the end of the year. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? It's like, and even even your worst years mm -hmm. zoom by and you're like, whoo, thank you, I'm finished with that group. 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm reliving my worst year again because I'd made that transition from high school to elementary. Oh. So your first year is going to be your worst year until yes, <laughs> until you hit that one rough group where you're like, well, I've been doing so well. What's up with this? This was just like <laughs> you go from tenth grade where I took over as just doing tenth grade for a little bit. Yeah. to then having like you said kindergarten <laughs> and you're like what stand on this line and they're just like all over and you're like oh man i forgot i forgot to prep for this this right. is not this is not <laughs> what i remember it's been so long since i don't right see mm-mm. i look my hats go off to all elementary PE teachers. Um, I remember, I think it was sometime this summer, I was in one of the uh, PE Facebook groups, or uh, I think that's where I was. And one of the question is like, uh, what did you learn? Oh no, uh, what's something you thought you would never say in PE? <laughs> oh, I read. <laughs> read and I was like what my mouth was just open I was like you actually have to say that I'm like I can't like don't lick this and pee on the ground I was like no I can't Uh, Mm -hmm. like bless the elementary PE teachers Uh, I bow down to them um because I cannot I would rather get cussed out. <laughs> it's so much easier getting cussed yes, out. <laughs> I could do attitude all day, every day, but um, I cannot with the, I mean, of course I could if I had to, but mm-mm, if I had a choice, I would just stay with the attitudes all day long. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting interactions this year that put me in that mindset of, oh, these are babies. These are baby babies. Like high school kids. I was like, oh, these are like babies to me. Yeah. Yeah. But the first day I had kindergarten, this one kid comes up to me and he just mumbles out in barely audible English that he pooped himself. I was like, but we just did bathroom time before class. (laughs) And as soon as we get in the gym, he just looks at me. I pooped myself. What? What what do you do with that? Like I mean it's better than one of the previous educators that was there before me because I was the fourth phys ed teacher in three years. Oh wow. So the one teacher left the next day after an interaction where somehow a child got their poop fecal matter on him and then he left the next day i was just like okay that's that might be a valid thing that might be your like that's my line that's my line in the sand like yes i got poop on me this is it right yeah this (laughs) is uh, sorry (laughs) i got to go (laughs) now i i can say (laughs) we had a situation where a student spread it across the wall and it wasn't a special ed kid. Um, So we have like revenge things like that. 
where like, I don't personally have to handle that, but you know, MPE, I'm just, I would be like, okay, what, somebody go get me help, what, what to do? Like, uh, even, you know, you have accidents in PE, you know, but, ooh, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, ooh. yeah, just the bathroom things this year have been horrifying, and I thought the high school was bad enough with dealing with kids. My yeah, first making year, out to, in the bathroom, to, like, Oh, that's that's the light end of some stuff that doesn't literally happen. And it's usually when I'm out, when I'm not there, and I'm like, Yeah, like give me the making out in the bathroom and the creepy stuff happening in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I can handle that. Pooing on yourself. Oh, I I'm out. You didn't took me out. I'm just I'm done. Yeah, I questioned why whoever designed that building didn't have like a big drain in the middle of there, so you just attach a hose and just. She's like, this is poor engineering. Like, you should have right. known this was gonna happen. Like, this is these are humans. They're right. li- they're little babies. Oh my goodness. Do you actually have a gym? I do. It's it's okay. one of the my building turned a hundred years old this year. Wow. So it's like one of the original pre-World War II, mm-hmm. like post-World War One buildings. I mean, ironically, I think my house is like almost the same age. Like that's that's just like the condition of buildings in Philadelphia. Okay. Testament to the quality of the buildings. You're right. But then like my school, like I'll have pictures up eventually. It's okay. It has really good structure. Mm-hmm. Bones are great. Yeah. But because of various historical situations and just lack of funding and like okay. great white flight was like mm-hmm. definitely a huge issue in many of the right. cities. Philadelphia schools, most of them are dilapidated. Like you'll see them in the news for asbestos, mold, like you name it. And one of my schools also like has been on that list and it's actually regarded as one of the worst performing. We're like in a separate performance network called the Acceleration Network. Okay. So this, I guess the last two years, we've been given extra money by the city to renovate and go through like remediation projects so Mm. my gym is like hasn't probably been updated since like the 50s I would probably what oh my goodness so okay I'm I'm gonna bear off real quick (laughs) and just ask you a question so um do you guys do like um bond money where you know the community votes so uh to give schools extra money to do renovations and things of that nature so like um their property tax might go up in order to do these renovations for schools is that anything you guys do or is it a little bit more detailed than that it's it's probably gonna be a lot more in depth um from my loose research, like surface level stuff, Pennsylvania uh-huh. ranks as one of the worst in regards to school funding, mm. even though we do have some of the top schools in the country in the okay. Southeast section. Okay. A lot of it's dedicated to property tax, mm-hmm. uh, taxes on liquor and alcohol, mm-hmm. and then other revenue from like taxation. So I guess I was like a week and a half 
meeting where they were doing projections for budgets and shortfalls. So their projections, I think in five years, we were supposed to be, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like a, up to a billion dollars in the hole possibly. Ooh, okay. Five years. Okay. Like there's the school district because of so many of the issues it has it needs more money mm-hmm. and right. then with the, like the charter systems pulling about a quarter of the funding mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. that's very problematic too because you're stretching dollars too far right when it okay. should be more centralized and i know they're trying to put things in place like they were in the process of doing meetings to figure out how to centralize some of the schools so mm-hmm. maybe we'll reuse this building and Okay. Try to build some new stuff, but I mean, it's always going to be a school funding issue for certain sections of the country. Right, and right. For the most part, the state of Pennsylvania is pretty conservative. Okay. But you have like your pockets in like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Lancaster, Chester County, and in between that are pretty liberal and progressive. Yeah. But there's just not really the money there. It's. Mm-hmm. it's sad They're, they try to yeah. pull extra money from the state and i think also our state produces less money on average to give to the school districts as compared to other states so okay it's very property dra- tax driven mm-hmm. so like my school district we're not a rich school district but our um administration uh superintendent and you know all of those great people, they actually take the time to budget our money very well. And we go through renovation, school renovations uh, often. Um, So even our older buildings get updates. Um, We have a strong maintenance department that comes through and make sure they uh, keep things looking nice, you know, so Mm -hmm. our schools, um, some of them might look a little older, but at the end of the day, you know, there's, our schools don't look raggedy. Um, Majority of those schools have been updated some type of way. So uh, my current school um, and my previous school uh, used to be open concept so um you know just separate classrooms were only separated by you know curtains or whatever Mm -hmm. so uh both schools uh two level um the um, district went in and uh remodeled everything so now both schools have individual classrooms so we you know they try very hard to continue to update. Um, I think last year was the, um, maybe um, the end of all of the construction, all our middle schools uh, received a second gym. So um, yes, I think last year was the final installment of all the gyms. So, for instance, my school, we're only seventh and eighth grade, but we average from 1,100 to 1,300 students any, any given year. So one gym um, 
wasn't cutting it. We didn't have like a, a, a gym and then a recreational area. We would we have gym outside. So the mm -hmm. days that, you know, is pouring down rain, you could have close to 300 kids in the gym at one time, you know, give or take, depending, nah, I'm over-exaggerating. Let me say two. <laughs> your kids that sound better <laughs> that's more realistic um, <laughs> um but you know um so uh because at one point in time we had um three uh female teachers and three seventh grade teachers or seventh grade pe teachers that could possibly have all of their classes in the gym at one time so you know depending on your class sizes, we would have a herd of kids in the class or in the gym. So um, luckily we have a second gym. The flow is a lot, lot better. Ooh. Um, you know, now we have, you know, more options and safety, of course. Uh, we can monitor the kids um, and deal with safety a lot better than in the past. Yeah, we have the, I love our setup in that we have two gyms, but it's like that traditional building where one was male and one was female siding. Mm. We do have a blacktop, a blacktop with two basketball hoops and then like two pieces of playground equipment or like a K to eight. Okay. And part of that renovation was adding part of a playground. It's not enough i mean <laughs> i was like there's two pieces here who, mm -hmm. who designed this i'm not mad at them or trashing their decision i wasn't there for any of that i was like when i came in this was all already done and right I'm in the process of being completed this year but yeah like like i said a good chunk of that building probably hasn't been updated since the 50s there are some classrooms up there that look original like mm -hmm. the floor is still in pretty decent shape somehow yeah but you can tell like it's just old like oh, it's yeah and it's like i said it's hard to do i mean philadelphia uh -huh. is really unique it's i think the largest city or it's yeah i think it's the largest city that has the highest percentage of homeowners in the country hmm. but there are still so many vacant lots and so many delinquent delinquent taxes within the city that okay like just the tax collecting mm -hmm. it's a nightmare you're not really bringing in that much when you really think about it you have a high percentage that own but in the end there are still massive sections of the city that are barren like you mm. can go you can go certain parts of west philly north mm. philly and it's just blocks of abandoned houses all over wow like it's almost like you go you can be in one section and it looks mm -hmm. like your standard city in the U.S. with like that yeah. suburban feel. Mm -hmm. And then you go four or five blocks over and it's like a third world country. Wow. And here we can, it seemed like any vacant, well, not vacant, land, any land that's not developed, they're knocking trees down and developing it. It's like, like, you know, can we keep some trees around? It's like, um, so um, we keep expanding out. Like 
I'm um, in the suburbs. I live in the suburbs. And uh, when I first moved into my house about 10 years ago, like I had trees surrounding my uh, neighborhood. Now I have three neighborhoods surrounding me. And the only reason why it's not a fourth one is because there's a road that goes on one side of my neighborhood, you know? So it's just like, so when um, Hurricane Harvey happened, we've had other hurricanes to come through and um, no problems in my neighborhood. Maybe, you know, the electricity go out for a little while or a day or, but nothing major. Um, Harvey was a complete disaster. Luckily, um, my neighborhood didn't flood, but a neighborhood over from me flooded. Um, I had high water on my street where I couldn't drive um, my vehicle. And I have an SUV, so I could not drive my vehicle on my street to get out of my neighborhood. Um, I because um, I live in a one level. So I'm thinking, okay, if my house floods, there's nowhere for me to go but in the attic. So I actually had a coworker that she lives in a neighborhood over from me. She got rescued. Um, she posted it on Facebook. And I was wow. like, hey, you live close to me. Can you guys come get me? Because um the guy that she knew had a big dually truck. So she was like, yeah, we're, we could come get you, uh, send me your address. I send it to her, they get um, to the entrance of my neighborhood and she's like, hey, we can't drive on your street. The water's too high, can you walk towards us? And I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm let me, I, I'm packed, I'm coming. So. I'm like 5'11", almost six. The water was up to my waist. So um, in, in certain areas. So, and I'm walking, I'm not like in the middle of the street walking. I'm like on the high side of our neighbor's yards. So, um, and I'm still like, that high in water. Luckily, you know, we have some more um, space to go in our yards, but, you know, it, it was really scary. And um, I got, you know, rescued or whatever, but we have so much, and I said all of this to say, we have so much uh, construction now that like there's nowhere for the water to go. So, um, there's a part of uh, a neighborhood um, not too far from me that they are um, building up the drainage and uh, making um, like water pumps and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when uh, there is a lot of water, um, the water can drain and flow a little bit easier. So we'll see how that goes. It hasn't had to be tested, but it is, it's one of those nightmares that, you know, um, 
because you know it's great for the economy that our um, city is expanding and always expanding but then you think about okay if we didn't have this development would i ha would i have experienced these problems on my street or would um, other neighborhoods experience flooding because so many neighborhoods flooded that never flooded before um and it was like okay is it because of development and that's one of the problems yeah i could definitely see that being a major factor i mean trees alone mm -hmm. with wind yeah prevents wind from coming in um how, like how did that i guess your region is very interesting because it seemed to be one of the relocation zones for mm -hmm. hurricane katrina yes so like how like you're in a completely different section hurricanes really don't impact us here in philly mm -hmm. like the craziest thing we happened was some tornadoes like briefly touched down or like right. threatened a touchdown so like how did how did school changed during like pretty much Katrina from or pretty much post Katrina yeah because I feel um, like a lot of people started moving to like the Houston yes. Austin section mm -hmm. it's like changed yes. so dynamically and we're kind of experiencing that in Philadelphia where there's a lot of gentrification and a lot mm -hmm. of issues with that going on as well um well I'm originally from Louisiana so I knew a lot of people are in a um, fight kind of way of life nature. So their mindset, um, you, a lot of people weren't expecting it because when they go to New Orleans, they bourbon party. So they don't really know what um, native New Orleans um folks really have to go through i mean that's kind of like philly it's most people would have no idea what the everyday life is for many yes. like students and people and how right. tough it actually is they just right. envision oh liberty bell and cheesesteaks and you're like right exactly you know, so um um and even though i'm native louisianan i still never had to like live in new orleans i have a lot of friends from new orleans and they come from different parts and so um depending on uh what part they're from uh, sometimes kind of play into their personality so anyway um so you know houston opened up their arms like a lot of other cities did so we took in a lot of katrina survivors so we took in a lot um people opened up their personal homes and um it didn't always work out very well um a lot of our um, school districts and our schools weren't actually prepared to receive a lot of the students. Um, they weren't um, prepared to deal with uh, the um, inequalities of their education um, because um, 
our school systems are very, well, not all of them, but a good bit of our um, schools are very rigorous and, um, you know, with uh, curriculum and with technology and a lot of the um, students from uh, New Orleans weren't prepared for that. Um, so it was a big adjustment. We had a lot of um, altercations, verbal and physical that, um, that you know happened because then it was Houston versus New Orleans and just dealing with that uh, situation. Um, I had a lot of students that had um, to deal with uh, uh, PTOSD because they actually went through a lot of the issues being stuck in homes, being trapped or um, being trapped in um, the Superdome. So they had a lot of trauma coming in where they didn't seek help and we didn't provide them help either. You know, we just opened up our doors, but we didn't give them, um, you know, like mental health services that a lot of them needed. Um, and um, a lot of uh, people, um, they, uh, so of course we knew a lot of things were going on. And so a lot of the kids played on people's emotions. And so they got away with a lot of things because they were like, okay, I could just cry and pretend to be sad and then I'll get my way. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm that teacher that be like, excuse me, ma'am, that's not going to work with me. Okay, let's, let's work on the problem because those tears, no buttercup, that's not going to work. So uh, for an example, I had one student, love her to death. So she did something, brought her in my office. We having a chit chat, but it's more like I'm showing her out in a chit chat. So, you know, she want to bring the tears and she want to say, you know, my father died in Katrina. And I'm like, girl, what? Tell me more. So she tell me this story. And then I turned it around on her. And I was like, your father died. He's in heaven looking down on you. And this is how you're going to honor your dad. You're going to display this behavior. And she stopped and she looked at me and she was like, wait a minute, this lady not going to get, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to help you work through stuff. And then once she realized, you know, I'm there for her, but she's going to have to put in the work and given that sad story, even though I, you know, I don't want to parents, you know, lose their lives, but telling me that story to try to get out of your trouble is not going to work. So um, needless to say, uh, she ended up being on my basketball team. <laughs> I worked with her, but she never tried to play that, whoa, uh, you know, I got so many problems, you should give me this anymore. And so unfortunately, a lot of kids got through the system playing that and be like, oh, okay, well, they're still hurting. So let's give them to us. So, you know, they, they played the world. And then we actually did have students with serious um, mental illnesses, but, you know, they fell through the cracks. So it's kind of like, ooh, you, you had to know 
you know, how to play your part. And unfortunately, a lot of us didn't know how to, uh, how to do that. And we still have a lot of students that are originally from New Orleans. They came as babies. And so now their parents decided to stay. And so now they've been raised up. Um, they, they are acclimated um, more into Texas life. Um, so we don't really have those battles like our uh, first group of kids. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would be a culture shock. And then especially dealing with kids that have trauma, mm -hmm. they do almost have that manipulative survival instinct of trying to get what they want because their needs aren't net or mm -hmm. their, their needs aren't met for a variety of reasons and like their experiences yeah. it's really hard to deal with that if you haven't dealt with it before that's right, like a whole right. experience thing so yeah, how did yeah. that impact the like teachers and like um, that whole process you know what it just depends on the actual person um you had people that um was like these things kids like they're coming over here and they're ruining it blah 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 and then you had others that were like okay let's put in this work what what do we need to do like how do we so for instance myself um I would have sit down chats with my kids and I'd be like look I'm from Louisiana I know how it is to grow up in Louisiana and uh, our education system. I was like, now you're in Texas, you have a chance to uh, achieve things you never thought you would be able to. You have an opportunity to change your, you know, your direction, your uh, projection. Um, now is the time to let all of that negativity go and uh, strive. Like, okay, like we have a good education system here. Like, what do we need to do to bring your grades up? What do we need to do? And I said, we, because like, I would help them as much as I could, you know, um, but you know, they still have to put in the work, but they knew, okay, coach is there for us. Um, you know, um, letting them know like, okay, whatever your mindset was back at home that grind you had at home that you know i got to get mine okay let's change that a little bit how can you get yours educational wise without having to street hustle you know mm -hmm. without how do how do we change that mindset how can you still achieve things that you dream of without being on the streets, you know, so, um, you know, some, some kids got it, some kids didn't, you know, it's like you try to reach them, um, and it doesn't matter if they're from Houston, if they're from New Orleans, you know, from Philadelphia, you try to reach them, you try to school them about life, and some kids get it, and some people, you know, some kids don't, and unfortunately, some of them, um, life happens 
and some of them learn from that and some of them, you know, serious things happen and you're just like, man, you know, if only they would have listened, if only we could have figured out a way to get them out of that situation. So, you know, it's, it's education and urban, <laughs> urban life, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, that those stories kind of happen all over. It's not just, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, urban, you're right. You're it's right. not just in certain environments. It's it's all over. Yeah. There's always going to be kids that you're not going to connect yeah, with. Yeah, right. Going to slip through. Even right. in like where I grew up, which was Central Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. 15 minutes from Hershey, Pennsylvania, like Hershey Park. Okay, yeah. You know, like 98% white, like middle class to low middle class. I mean, mm -hmm. I still went to school with people that got pregnant. I still went to school yeah, with people yeah. that were on drugs dealing drugs it's mm -hmm. we don't talk about it because it doesn't yeah. pop up because it's not part of that bias that people throw against you it's, or the narrative they yep, want to give the narrative, absolutely mm -hmm. it, it's the same wherever you go just the percentages will change and right unfortunately there's i mean you're aware of this more so than i am probably like just from experience like the inequities and like how that can trap certain people in certain circumstances and it's yeah that's probably the hardest part in teaching in certain neighborhoods is mm -hmm. you already know it's there's already a target on your back right right um and it's really hard when you have kids that come in and already have 10 strikes against them and they already have a chip on their shoulder um they only let few people in and um and then you know you have the teachers that soon as they hear one negative it's like they on them pop 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 and you know they make the situation worse and you know mm -hmm. like some kids like no matter what you do you can't get across them they are you know it's like a brick you know um you know i've had trials and tribulations too with you know some kids and like I had to learn, like younger, I'll be, rah, 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 you know, and I had to learn, like, boo, let that go. You about to give yourself a heart attack, and they not paying you not one bit of mind, and you, you know, so like some things. Um, and I'm being so animated, and this is a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's kind of the point of this podcast. It's very human. If you're not animated, like. Yeah. Robotic, so it's not okay. <laughs> right. But you know, it's like, you know, like when you're passionate, you're like trying to like get 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 the kids, like, you know, and sometimes it's like for your own peace of mind, sometimes you have to step back and be like, you know what? I'm not the person that's gonna reach them. Let me see let me call around and see who has a better connection with this kid and let them know my concerns and let them work with them on my concerns because sometimes you're not that person you you know like a lot of times you think oh you know what i'm the cool coach i'm not the cool coach i'm the <laughs> the stern coach but the kids know i got their back i'm there if they need me like i'm gonna go back 
to bat for them if they're right. If they're wrong, then I'm going to be like, come here, let's have a talk. But, um, but sometimes I know I'm not that person they need. Um, and I will politely step back and be like, Hey, I know who they're really close to. Let me, let me talk to them, let them know what I see so they can help the kid. And I'm helping from a distance because they're not feeling me. So let me step back. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Like you got to be an adult and be like, you know what? I'm not that person for them. They don't like me like that. But let me let me go over here, whisper in my coworkers ear so they can they can be that person for that child. Yeah, that's very true. Um, This year. I'm in that position where I don't know a lot of the kids that well yet. Mm -hmm. Some kids trust me. Some Mm -hmm. kids don't. Some are still testing me out because it's my first year at this elementary school mm-hmm. and for many of them I'm the fourth phys ed teacher they've had so I already know historically within Philadelphia because of the high turnover rate your first year is a testing ground they're yeah, essentially they, they seeing... testing you to see if you can handle it mm-hmm. and that's how my first year was at the high school mm-hmm. first year was I gotta see if I can make this guy quit let's see how fast we can get him out because yeah. it's a defense mechanism. They don't mm-hmm. want you to be there. And then fast forward from the high school to like my fourth year there, there was an interesting incident. Like you were kind of, we were riffing about the kid that has that like strike on the back because of whatever. Mm-hmm. So this one female student, she's known for being very bratty and kind of, she gets in the fights and she'll start stuff and mm-hmm. she'll, in the neighborhood she's into some stuff but for the most part I don't have that many issues with her since my first year Mm -hmm. and at that point I've known her three of the years she has class next door to me and for kids that are in my class I will let you charge your phone Mm -hmm. at that time period because I had like a cell phone bank where you'll sell it and then you're not on it because mm-hmm. I tried my best to make them use technology appropriately versus inappropriately. Like you yeah. can use it to help record notes, whatever. But if you're texting on Instagram or whatever, mm-hmm. it's mine or in the cell phone bank or put it away. If it comes right. out again, then it's an issue. So I don't have her. She walks into the class and it was kind of really interesting because we're in the middle of like starting a test and I'm not the type of teacher where I'm going to correct you. I'm going to let you make the action because I want you to make the action because you're not going to learn unless you go through that process. Mm -hmm. I already knew what she was doing. She snuck in, plugged her phone into it. I was like, all right, walked up, took it, put it in my pocket. And then somebody in the class said, oh, hey, yo, Mr. Buller just took your phone. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? You just disrespected me. When's the last time I've ever disrespected you? And she just kind of looked at me. She's like, just give me my phone back. I was like, no, at the end of the day, after this class, I'll put it on a charger. We're locked away. At the end of the day, we come back, we'll talk. That's it. And she was fine with it. Walk out. Climate staff already knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Called the one administrator. And it turns into this huge battle. About giving the cell phone. And they essentially trap her between like, 
multiple climate staff members, administration. Meanwhile, I'm trying to like have a test and they're right. in a screaming match with a teenager. Right. I already handled and they asked, I was right. like, it's done. Like I'm good. Right. It's leave her be. So they kept poking the bear. Mm-hmm. So of course, once you hit that limit and with kids with trauma, once they hit that threshold, yeah, now it doesn't explode. matter. So she went to an explosion trying to like enter the class and stuff. I was like, I was like, yo, do you want me to just come out? Like, I can handle this. I know I can do it. If you want to watch my tests, because I'm not really teaching. And they're like, no, no, you got to stay in there. So they keep threatening her to get their way. It's like, what are you doing? You are disrespecting her. So why is she going to show respect back? Right, We're right. Just pushing the authority down on her to the point where they're like, all right, you don't calm down. I'm calling the cops and we're going to have you book, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, really? All over this. Like you guys instigated this kid who already has issues and problems and like handling anger and keep poking the button. Yeah. And it's like those kids, they intentionally poke at them so they can escalate things and make them explode so they could be like, fine, that's it. You're out of here. It's like, but is it really that serious? You the adult. You looking real crazy right now. Um, and that's one thing that taught me to calm down when I've seen people do that, then I'm like, oh my God, do I act like that? And I'm like, oh, you know what? If I act like this, let me, let me start making some changes within me. Cause I don't want to be that adult poking at a kid looking crazy because at the end of the day, a lot of times it's the adult that's looking crazy, not the kid. And it's like, okay, you did all of this for nothing. For nothing. Yeah, like, mm, so seeing people do that, I I had to be like, you know what? I got to change my ways. Because I probably was not that extreme but was close not let me not even say close i was that at certain times you know exploding going up now sometimes i will i will raise my voice and i will get the black mama voice on them you know even though it doesn't matter if they black white hispanic asian they get the black mama voice so (laughs) but like you have to pick your battles. And a lot of people don't know when to just let easy stuff go. Say what you have to say. Like sometimes all you have to do is give them a lit look to let them know, you know what? I see you. I'm not going to address it, but I need you to know I see you. I noticed it. And, you know, and sometimes it might, you, hey, say, blah, 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 and then you roll on. It doesn't take all the theatrics sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't. Um, You know, if it's not a serious issue, let it go. It makes your day so much better. It definitely does when you let the little things go. And I think this is the perfect spot for us to take a break. Well, if you're listening, Please check out part B. That'll be available immediately after this is released. If you have any questions, concerns, please reach out. Definitely check the resources provided in the description. 
thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed part A of episode six. Check out the resources provided in the description. Please subscribe to our podcast, Wrapping PE. If you have any questions or would like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at wrappingpe at gmail.com. Well, goodbye for now. But until the next time, I would like to wish you peace and love. Peace.